our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. Even if we're here, we're still on vacation. <laughs> so I looked at I, I looked at Tara and I'm like, yeah. Kelly came in. She's like, I'm on time today. I'm like, yeah, and we're all running late. And so I was like, I guess we'll just start and see what happens. So <sighs> just gonna, it's going to be one of those days. All right. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Not a traditional communion verse, but I think with everything going on in our world, one that is very appropriate. Across our country, there are churches trying to figure out if they can open, how they can open. If they can open safely, how will they do that without getting arrested? All sorts of good things that we never figured we were actually going to deal with. And if nothing else has been revealed in the last few months, I think it is the need for Christians to really do hard work of thinking through Scripture and how their lives are lived in light of it. Because there's, a, there's an old phrase that goes along from the world that says, you will be made to care. And I think the world is proving more and more day by day, week by week, that that is going to be true. And so while we remember the work that Christ has done whenever we celebrate communion, and I always highlight that we remember the future work that he is to do. I think one of the things that we also need to focus on is the work that he is still doing. The strengthening, the guiding, the granting of wisdom, the protecting, the persevering, and preserving of his people, of his church, until his kingdom comes. So my encouragement this morning as we partake of the supper is remember 
that God has not forgotten and that he has not forsaken and that grounded in him, knowing what he calls us for, knowing what he calls us to, knowing that he is God, is the beginning of how we live wisely in the world. And then prepare ourselves to do what Christians have done throughout the ages, which is fear God, serve him, and dare the world to do whatever it's going to do about it. So, again, reminder for this, we've got a different table, so don't let that freak you out. I'm going to ask you that again that you still go by rows because we have so many people this morning. We don't want to overwhelm the table. <laughs> but still, this actually works out really well. Just work back to front and keep up with it. Um, go ahead and partake of the bread and the, the juice at the same time. I mean, you don't have to do it at like the same time, but you know what I mean, while you're there. And also just ask, like, don't drink and eat right over it. So just grab it, take a little step back, partake, put your cup back, and then go to your seat, and then the next group can step up. Before we do that, let's pray. Lord, you have redeemed. You have conquered sin and death. You are the sovereign ruler of this world. Don't let us forget that. Strengthen us by the power of your spirit that you have so graciously given, by the power of your might that by which you will and work and rule. Strengthen us that we would be a faithful people, walking according not to this place, but to the precepts, the commandments that you have set down, that we would be your people, not just in spirit and knowledge, but in living and in action. May we stand firm. May we worship and serve rightly. And may we persevere until your kingdom comes. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Let's pray. Again, Lord, we thank you for the work that you have promised, the work that you have completed, and the work that you are still doing. We pray, Lord, that our trust would increase, that our faith would be strengthened, that our lives would be pure before you, knowing that your grace covers and your mercy abounds. Lord, we ask that your kingdom come and it come quickly. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All oh, King Jesus, all oh, man you are, King of King, Lord of Lords, bright morning star, do what couple of things. I got some of this stuff organized. Missions Project. We've talked about the backpacks. The list is out there. The sample backpack with most of the stuff in it is out there. So if you want to grab a list, you can get one. Um, we, we did figure out one thing that I had messed up on. I didn't 
check to edit it this morning. It's like the list is there. I saved it from last year and go with it. So it says in the bottom that we have some stuff that we currently don't have. So if you need to get that stuff too, that's on the little bottom there. You, you'll know what I'm talking about if you go look at it. So if you're smart people, you'll figure it out. See, see how much credit I give you? <laughs> so check that out. Um, calendar. Oh, wait, wait, wait. You can. You do not have to. If you think it would be easier, just make sure it packs in there all right, and you want to bring it back fully packed, God bless you. Go for it. Um, the three that are there are packed. The empty ones are still in the office. I just didn't feel like cluttering the whole area. So if you want to grab one, they're in the office. If you just want to bring stuff in a Walmart bag, we'll set it to the side, and we'll get them packed up You know, when the time comes. So whatever is more convenient and easier for you, go with that. Um, calendar stuff, church council next Sunday is the plan, which means business meeting following Sunday. Um, I dawned, it dawned on me the last couple of weeks, I haven't said this out loud, and I had a conversation with somebody this week, and they went, oh, when I told them something, that we have, for the most part, got Sunday school going. So if you'd like to be in a Sunday school class, we probably have one for your age group. <laughs> we're splitting the children, and then I just have the adults. So it's not much, but it's something. We're having fun. We're back on our Through the Bible, so we are trying to get ourselves back on track. We have that. Mike's alive. <laughs> Which that feels like that's the announcement some days. <laughs> so it looks like he's feeling a little bit better, which probably isn't a very high bar to jump over, but there you go. Um, did have uh, 80 stopped by this morning. Couldn't stay. Vi's medication is all out of whack again. Heart rate is all out of whack. Can't keep it leveled out. So she has an appointment on Tuesday to go get that looked at. They're hopeful that they can get it figured out. I have no idea. He has no idea. I wonder if they have any idea. I, I joke that we call it practicing medicine for a reason. That's what it feels like some days. He did, though. The reason why he stopped by to say that instead of calling was he brought squash. <laughs> so on the blue chair out there, there are some squash that Eddie has grown and brought, if you would like one or all of them. Go for it. That's why he brought them. So there you go. Um, wake up. i got to stop turning the thing off because every time I do, it doesn't come back on. All right. Anything I am forgetting? Once. You need the hats on the backpacks. I said the backpacks. Oh, the knit hats. Oh, yeah, th that's, that's the little thing written on the bottom. Yes, as I said, we, we saw that this morning. He goes, there's no hats. I'm like, oh, there are no hats. That's we, we, so that's, make sure you just read the little part on the bottom, and those things we don't have yet. So if you can grab those two, thank you, thank you, thank you. I should have checked it before I printed them, but after I printed them and made 20 copies, I wasn't going to change it. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Oh, test results. Does that work? So he probably got into the hospital. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. So, rem so remember Judas' family. So one posit two positive tests, two negative tests, and an emergency appendectomy. And a partridge in a pear tree. Mm -hmm. And no baby yet, which is the whole reason Judas went down there. <laughs> Tell her to hurry up. <laughs> go go jog or something, you know? Jump up and down. I don't know. how. To... There you go. So you just drive down a good bumpy highway. <laughs> See how that goes. None of that works. We tried to do that when Cameron was pregnant with Connor, and it's none of that works. 
None of it. If, when, when the kids are ready, they're ready. When it's God's time, it's God's time. Until then, you're just wasting your time. So, um, There was something else that just popped in my head, and then it just popped out of my head. Benevolent. Um, if you Normally, we would take up an offering for benevolent. If you would like to contribute to benevolent, the plate is right there. Just do it how you would do a regular offering, and we thank you in advance. Although I think benevolent is doing fairly well at this point. But we, we, one of the bizarre parts is that we actually had some. We had a few requests, but then we've actually had fewer because I don't, nobody's. I don't think anybody's thinking to call. Half of it. So, all right. What nationality was Hagar Sarai's maidservant? She was an Egyptian. See, more proof. Nothing good with Egypt in the Bible, right? <laughs> Goes to show you, though, going all the way back into Genesis, we made mention of this in Sunday school. We'll, we've made mention of this here. We'll continue to make mention of this. Stuff doesn't just spring up in your Bible. So the, the people going down to Egypt, Hagar coming from Egypt, Abraham going down into Egypt, showing you deliverance, showing you obedience, showing you disobedience in some cases, but ultimately pointing to who going down and coming back out of Egypt in your New Testament? Jesus. Showing, showing you a type and shadow of the work of Christ. Even, even in simple geography, your entire Bible is pointing to what story? The story of Christ and how he will redeem a people. Fun little stuff. Who was inflicted from head to toe with painful sores? Don't, 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 don't. Now, might take, I, I put down here, might take two or even three answers to this one because I, I got to thinking about it. There's probably a couple of places you could find the answer to this, but I want the really, really famous one. So that's, that's your job. See, you're thinking different stories. See, that's, that's what I'm saying. So I want the really, really famous one. So there you go. That, that's your hint. So have fun digging. Anything else? Going once, going twice. Then Jesus came into my heart. 
After the battle that I sing a victory song, my faith grown much stronger and I've cried all night long. Feel close to Jesus when trials are hard. So I sing from my heart, thank God. Thank God for the valleys walk through today thank god for the burden i wear on my way thank god for the mountain that i've climbed and when the sun don't shine thank god i know up ahead there's a victory for me you step out on the water and you speak to the sea forces of evil by his power depart sing from my heart thank god thank god for the valley i walk through today thank god for my burden lift it away thank god for the mountain i had strength to climb now see the sunshine thank god thank god for the valley i walked through today thank god all my burden were lifted away Thank God for the mountain had strength to climb. Now I see the sunshine, thank God. God for the mountain had strength to climb. Now I see the sunshine, thank God. 
most important question I ask this morning. Are you guys comfortable? Is it too warm, too cold? Can I bump it down like one degree or two? Because I'm sweating already. <laughs> Normally we turn it down to about 70. And I only turned it to 72 today because it didn't feel that warm out. But the sun starts beating on this roof and this high ceiling starts getting warm quickly. So if you get cold, just like throw a hymnal at me and we'll go bump it back up. But I'm literally sweating. So <laughs> if you don't mind, I appreciate it. Won't do like we did at our home church where they bought a bunch of blankets and just put them on the pews. Like, if you're cold, grab a blanket. <laughs> like, really? You realize the average age of our congregation is about 70, right? <laughs> going to freeze some of these poor little old ladies to death. And that was not the goal, but apparently that was the end result. So, All right, something productive. After last week, if you were following along the end of chapter 3, Moses had asked his questions. God had given his comfort. The declaration has been made. Moses has agreed. We should start chapter 4 with the words like, and off to Egypt we go, right? We should. You would be wrong. <laughs> And there is one of the conundrums of the Old Testament because Scripture and really the entirety of believing history celebrates the faith of Moses. And we'll, we'll give examples of this as we get through this. How can we celebrate the faith of Moses while also recognizing that this dude had major flaws? And chapter 4, if you think Moses is nailing things, Chapter 4 is going to bury that idea. Like, every time you think we get it and we're going in the right direction, Chapter 4 is like, and then there's this. Oh, yeah? And then there's this. And it's like, it just doesn't work. Remember our rule. Who is the hero of the story? God is. Always and forever. Where does your faith and your salvation come from? It comes from God. Remembering that and then working through the failures of the Old Testament become a comfort because they give you the reminder of the power on display by God for Israel, which in turn should point you to what? The power on display by God for us. So when you see his mercy, his grace, and his connection to his people in the Old Testament in Israel— that should be a reminder with some flags going off in your brain that there is that same mercy, that same grace, and that same connection for his people today. That's, that's us. So, with all of that said, kind of set the stage, uh, Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Then Moses said, What if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? For they may say, The Lord has not appeared to you. And the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? And he said, A staff. Then he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from it. But the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand and grasp it by its tail. So he stretched out his hand, caught it, and it became a staff in his hand, that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. The Lord furthermore said to him, now put your hand into your bosom. So he put his hand into his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. And then he said, put your hand into your bosom again. So he put his hand into his bosom again, and when he took it out of his bosom, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you or heed the witness of the first sign, they may believe the witness of the last sign. But if they will not believe even these two signs or heed what you will say, then you shall take some of the water from the Nile, 
pour it on the dry ground, and the water which you take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. Oh, that's pleasant, isn't it? It's a good little stopping point. Pouring blood out all over the ground. Yay! All right, verse 1. Let's just dive right in because... Uh, then Moses said, no, 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 no. This is not how this chapter should start. This chapter should start with, and then Moses departed. No. Then Moses said, what if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? For they may say, the Lord has not appeared to you. Okay. This is where you got to remember, we're taking this a week later. This is happening for Moses in the flow of a conversation. Like he hasn't left. The bush is still on fire and not being consumed. What did God just say? Verse 18 of chapter 3. They will pay heed to what you say, and you with the elders of Israel will come to the king of Egypt, and you will say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us, so now please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. So here's your breakdown. Moses is standing there, bushes on fire, talking to God, and God says, Go, tell the old elders, they will listen to you, and then this is what you should say, and then you'll come back here. Moses' next question is, what if they don't believe me? You just When I joke about you want to reach into your Bible and strangle people, this is what I'm talking about. Always keep this in mind when you're reading your Bible, that the chapter breaks sometimes divide stuff in half. and Sometimes that's good and sometimes that's not good. Now, how is Moses actually described in Scripture You know, after this? I think a really good place to go is Hebrews 11. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. Awful lot of celebrating of faith there of Moses. I don't know about you. I'm not seeing a lot of faith. How do we reconcile these two things? And the reason why we're taking this little jaunt that we're doing right now is this is one of those things. When someone looks at you, goes, the Bible's full of contradictions. This is what they're talking about. See, look, Moses is not a man of faith, and the Bible describes him as a man of faith, so something's wrong. No, we reconcile them by remembering who the star is and how we define this rightly. Luke chapter 17. The Lord said, if you had faith like a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. This is good news. What's the standard by which we hop over the hurdle? See, it's a trick question in Christianity, because do you hop over the hurdle? The answer is no. God picks you up and places you upon the path. Do you clean yourself up so that God will love you and save you? No, it's completely antithetical to biblical Christianity. Don't assume that's different from the New Testament to the Old Testament. It's the same standard. This is how Paul puts it, Romans 4. If Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but as what is due. To the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. So the biblical message is never clean yourself up and then come to faith. See, this is part of the problem is how often does that get presented in church? Is clean yourself up and then come to church. 
Come to church so that you got a chance of getting yourself cleaned up. There's a difference between those two things. We clean up as Christians not because we want God to love us, but because he already has. This is your 1 Corinthians 15. By the grace of God, I am what I am. His grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. So let's put this in a really comforting way. This is improvement. <laughs> like me now with all my full of flaws, warts, and wrinkles, this is improvement. And the same is true for you in Christ. It's improvement. It's not perfection, but it's better than it was 10 years ago. And by God's grace, what will it be in 10 years? Better than it is right now. See, we can celebrate the faith of someone like Moses because we don't celebrate Moses. Who do we celebrate? God. This is what Paul is warning Timothy. God saves sinners among whom Paul is what? The chief, the foremost, first among brethren. Why? Because what's Paul's answer? If God can save me, he can save anybody. If God can work with this little bit of faith, he can work with what? Anybody's. Now, the proof of this is actually in Moses' response in verse 2. Or not Moses' response, God's response. Verse 2. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And he said, a staff. Now, just time out real quick. God is looking for a deliverer. Well, he's not looking for a deliverer. He's got one. He's picked one up. He's raised him up. He's trained him up. He's prepared him. What profession is he pulling him from? Why is he carrying a staff? What is Moses out there in the wilderness doing? Shepherding. So God's deliverer of his people is a shepherd. There, there's no ties and allusions, Old Testament to New Testament at all, right? We made all this point last week when Jesus using the good shepherd analogies. Just pointing that out again. We won't go there long. Verse 3. Then he said, warning, because we're going to have to deal with this throughout this chapter. Exodus 4 and Exodus in general is terrible for this. And, and I buy terrible. It's not good or bad. It just is. There's a whole lot of he's and him's when there's two people talking. And it's, it's like having a conversation with a good southerner. Is after a while you're going, I need a noun. Like, I need a name so I know who he and him is. You can't just start me in the middle. And it does this all the time. So he said, God said, I'm pointing that out now because I want you to get in the habit for chapter 4 of following who the he's and who's speaking are. We're going to need that in about two or three weeks. So then God said, throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground, and the staff became a serpent, and Moses fled from it, which is the smartest thing Moses has done all day in my book. Just absolutely smartest thing right there. Verse 4. But the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand and grasp it by its tail. So Moses stretched out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. Now, what does having that mustard seed of faith in action look like? This. You know why I say that? Because you know who's got two thumbs and would not be picking up the snake? This guy right here. <laughs> be like, pick that up. No. Do you know who you're talking to? Yes. You're going to pick it up? No. <laughs> it's like that old Sinbad joke when mom's got the belt and you grab the belt. and You're going to let go of the belt? Uh-uh. You know you shouldn't have grabbed it? Uh-huh. You let go of the belt? Uh-uh. <laughs> I got it. No. No. Yes, it's going to be worse for me, but no. It's like, you're going to pick up a snake? No. You know this is God telling you to pick up a snake? Yes. You're going to pick it up? No. Moses does. Demonstrating that little bit. This is the hurdle. This is when God calls us to faith. It's literally like faith. Yes. Look at that. I have faith. Look at look at how awesome this faith is. I can I can jump inches. That's the call. James 2 makes this point. 
Some may, well, some may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works and I will show you my faith by my works. This is one of the things we look to. This is why we talk about proof of salvation. You will never, ever, and if you ever do hear me point to this, call the rescue squad. Something has happened. I've had a stroke. I'm in the midst of a heart attack. My brain has fallen out. Something has happened. We don't point to baptism. We don't point to someone walking an aisle. We don't point to someone praying. Like, when you have doubts about faith, don't look to those things. What do I look to? I look to the road that I have traveled. I look to the sanctification that has been slowly built up over time. I look to the slight improvements in my life over 10, 15, 20, 25, hike, 30 years, whatever it may be. Because what am I looking to there? What am I seeing? I'm seeing the work being done by the Holy Spirit in me. I'm seeing my works of faith. Now catch that. If I have works of faith, what do I have by definition? I have faith. And if I have faith, then I am trusting, I am walking rightly, and I am told that I will be preserved, that I will persevere to the end, that God has me and I will not be lost. I always look back on the life. May not be grand improvement. See, this, this was why... This is why I've never been like a huge testimony person, because in certain cultures, and this is where coming out of the Bible Belt is different, like here, it's not the same thing. But do you know how many teenagers and college students I used to deal with in Bible Belt churches that doubted their salvation because their testimony was, well, I kind of grew up in church, and I was baptized when I was like nine or ten, and I've just always been a believer, and so like, I don't know if I'm saved. <laughs> And they're freaking out. I mean, they're not just like, you know, I don't know what's going to go. They're like, am I going to hell? Because what happened? Well, two weeks ago, we had somebody come in from the addiction ministry down the next town over. And we had this lineup of people that were like, you know, like I did crack for 35 years. And I, you know, I sold my plasma so I could buy more crack. And then God saved me and I gave up crack like that. It's not evil. It's not bad. It's just not everybody's testimony. Are they more saved than the kid who grew up in church? No. Were they less deserving of God's mercy than the kid who grew up in church and was baptized when they were 10? No! Don't look at that. See, it's not what were you taken from and where are you? It's how have you progressed? Some people start at different levels. Life isn't fair. It's never meant to be. I know, ooh, I just committed like heresy in 2020, didn't I? Are there pitchforks and torches outside yet? <laughs> Shh, pretend I didn't say that. We'll have participation trophies for everyone. <laughs> Sorry. This is, this is going to be one of those days, I'm telling you. God doesn't grant us to all start at the same place and all finish at the same place in this life. What God does is plucks dead sinners, brings them to life, and sets them on the path to his kingdom. We all get to the same place in him. Whereas at the end, either when his kingdom comes or we're called home, we are perfect before him. That's the equality. It's not an equality of us. It's an equality of him. So the road that I have traveled, you know, being rank heathen until I was 18, 19 years old, and the road that Cameron's traveled, being born and raised in church, basically, are different places. Her sanctification is different sin areas than mine. But we both can look back at our walk and say, look, this is, this is good. This is improvement. This is, this is positive traveling in the direction. This is the proof of faith. This is the proof of the Holy Spirit working in my life. And the reason I say that is, if you don't have that, you don't have the Holy Spirit you know, giving you that kick in the pants that you need on occasionally. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit giving you the kick in the pants, then 
You don't have God. What's the starting point now? Stop, repent, trust in him. That little bit of faith. And we're going to get to that more in a second. Verse 5. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Now, mentioned this a minute ago, so, well, not a minute ago, earlier in the service, so let's see if anybody's paying attention. Trivia time. For whom is this sign? I'll accept three answers. <laughs> Why is this sign given? The first one's obvious. Who's they? The Israelites, the elders of Israel. So part of this sign is so that Moses will do it and the Israelites will believe. Who else does that mean this sign is for? No, it's not for Pharaoh. He's not going to be there. It's for Moses. Now, here's where your Bible becomes so important. Who's the third person that this sign is for? You. <laughs> it's for you. We weren't there. We don't see it. We get a testimony to it. But what do we see that it does? What's the starting point here? What should have been chapter 4, verse 1? It should have been, and Moses gathered up his things and went down to Egypt. It wasn't. It was, but Moses said. All right, whenever there's a conversation with God and a human being, it, and it starts out, but so-and-so said, nothing good is coming after that, like ever. Ever. I don't I don't I can't think of one where God told somebody to do something and they go, but and it was a good idea. Never never happened once. What are we demonstrating? The wrath of God against sin should be poured out. It isn't. Why? Because he has patience, he has mercy, and he has grace. How do I know that? Because he's giving this to Moses, not just for the elders, because God's already said when you go, they're gonna believe. This sign is for them, yes, but it's also for Moses. But it's also for us so that we can read how God deals with his people, how God deals with Moses, and then we can trust that God will also deal with who that way? Me. This is John 20. Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So Jesus has appeared, but Thomas was missing. So the other disciples were saying to him, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, unless I see, him, see in his hands the imprint of the nails and put my finger into the place of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach here with your finger and see my hands. Reach here your hand and put it in my side. All I can say to that is, Ugh. And do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, have you believed? Here you go. Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. Who's that really talking about? You. You weren't there. You didn't walk through the Red Sea. You didn't see the plagues. You didn't get the manna from heaven. You didn't watch Jesus come out of the tomb. You didn't see the holes in all the nine yards. And yet, because of the testimony of Scripture and the work of the Holy Spirit, you believe. Good. That's faith in action. Remember what our direction of faith is. Because this is important because it's being displayed right here. Hebrews 11.1. 1, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Will the elders of Israel be asked to put their faith in Moses? No. No, they won't. 
and God is ensuring it right now. Because if Moses goes, tells them what God said, and as God has promised, they believe him and go along with it, will there be people potentially saying, well, you know, this Moses guy is a pretty good character. Where's faith supposed to be? In Moses? No, it's supposed to be in God. Now let's define that, because the world wants to give you a wrong definition of faith in God. World, the world wants to look at you and say, you're a Christian because you believe God exists. That's a lie. Everyone believes that God exists. They just lie about it. They suppress the truth and unrighteousness, Romans chapter 1. They know he's there, they just lie to you when they say that he's not. Your faith is not that God is there. Your faith is that God will deliver what he has promised. Moses is being empowered to show that by this sign. So that the elders of Israel will believe that Moses has that God has appeared to Moses, that Moses has spoken to him, that this has been promised and this will happen. Their faith will move past Moses and be placed where? On God and his promises. Christian, that's where you live. You don't get a desert shepherd nomad with a staff turning into a snake to prove it to you. You get a scripture and a Holy Spirit to testify to it, as John 5 reminds you. And by that, you believe, even though you have not seen, because your heart has changed, your mind is renewed, and your path is now different. Now, last quick question. Why this sign? Do you ever wonder that? Like, what, why, why staff to serpent? Ready? Three reasons, Monty. So, reason number one, snakes were worshipped in Egypt. They are signs of wisdom, signs of fertility, signs of healing. So to have power to throw down a staff and turn it into a snake and pick up a stake and have it turn into snaff, a staff is kind of demonstrating a power in Egypt that would be kind of a big deal. That would be the first thing. Second one, though, which would be for the elders, where does God's power extend to? Everywhere. Staff turns into a snake. Like, that just happens on Tuesdays, right? Like you go to Walmart and there's a dude out in the parking lot throwing staffs down and picking snakes up and, you know, no, this is weird. This is like, okay, God has given you the sign. God's changing the molecular structure and matter of a piece of wood into a living thing and back again. See, we don't process what's involved in this. It's not just like the, the staff starts wiggling around. It's a snake. You know how I know it was a snake? When it showed up on the ground, what did Moses do? <laughs> my name is no my number is no my sign is no it's got a digestive tract it's got fangs it's got you know a tail it, it's it's a snake that doesn't happen and then when i touch it again it's it's wood we could go burn it in a fire that's not how any of this works this is a big deal god is already demonstrating some of his power thirdly though What's the third person? Who are the third? Who's the third person the sign is for? The elders, Moses, and us. Follow your biblical history. Where have you seen a snake before? In the garden. The serpent says to Eve, What's the promise given to Eve? That the deliverer, the son of the woman, will crush the serpent. Well, this is not a crushing. Moses's bona fides are being given here because he will be the deliverer of Israel, right? He's the one that the word will come through. That deliverer has power over a serpent. Hmm. There's no New Testament allusions here at all that the deliverer will crush, that the deliverer will fulfill. Again, we're drawing two stories. What's going on on the ground with Moses, with Aaron, with Egypt, with Israel and all that. But we're also drawing our big story from Genesis to Revelation. What God is doing, redeeming a people, not just Israel, but his 
chosen people. So, verse 6. The Lord furthermore said to him, Now put your hand into your bosom. So he put his hand, so Moses put his hand into his bosom, into his cloak. He did the Napoleon thing. You know, you get the, you've seen the pictures of Napoleon standing there? So he's doing the Napoleon there. And when Moses took his hand out, behold, it was leprous like snow. This would be a big deal in this world. Um, we now know this as Hansen's disease, named after, I have to write it down, a Norwegian by the name of G.A. Hansen categorized it in 1873. It is caused by a bacterium. It attacks the skin and the nerve endings of the extremities. So feet, head, hands, fingers. Causes legions, uh, necrosis, which would be death of the flesh, numbness because it damages the nerves. Um, if you've ever had neuropathy or know someone who's had neuropathy, it's painful. So the nerves are firing. Some of them are numb. Some of them are inflamed. So some fingers, you don't feel anything. Some feet fingers are in pain. Some feet don't feel anything. Some feet are in pain. Some skin is dying. Some is not. Some, some feet you hit and they hurt really bad. Some you hit and you don't even know you did it until the foot falls off because of an infection. This is just like this. And it would make you uh, white and ashy as the skin would die and the immune system would try to attack it and cover it. And that wasn't helpful either because it would cause calluses and flake up on the skin, which would make movement difficult. This is just... Pleasant. Who signs up for this one? Yeah, no. Because of this, and because, believe it or not, 90 to 95% of the human population is naturally immune. You can be exposed to it, and most of, most of humanity would be around a leper, and nothing would happen to them. So, when someone was exposed in this world before 1873, where it's cataloged and discovered and all of this, why did somebody get leprosy? Whose fault would that be? I mean, most people aren't going to get it. I could be around it and not get it. You could suddenly be around it and you got it. You know, a hundred other people could be around it and none of them would get it. This and pretty much every other infirmity would be seen as the hand of God. It's a judgment. It's a judgment from God. You can see this in uh, Job 4. Um, what Job say? Remember now, whoever perished being innocent, where were the upright destroyed? According to what I have seen, those who plow iniquity, those who sow trouble, harvest it. By the breath of God, they perish, and by the blast of his anger, they come to an end. I mean, if we can all walk around and not get this disease, and you got it, what did you do? <laughs> like, how evil are you that God would give you a disease like this? And not just a disease, but, like, this disease. This is brutal. You see this in the New Testament. Jesus going into the temple. Uh, he passed by, and he saw a man blind from birth. John 9. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he would be born blind. See, he's born blind. That's got to be a judgment from God. So did he sin or did his parents sin? Somebody did something to deserve this. Remember, though, Jesus answered, It was neither this man's sin nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Which is a good little place for an off-ramp. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our sons forever, that we may observe all the words of his law. Anything ever happened in this world that didn't make sense to you? You're like, yes, happened like 20 minutes ago. What's your point? Like, like, all the time. Are you called in this world to understand and explain everything? No. Are you called in this world to attempt to figure out as much as you can? Yes. This is part of our principle of life. How many categories of people is God dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis? It's actually a really simple answer. As, as a friend of mine once said, there are only two types of people in this world, those who like Neil Diamond and those who don't. 
It's always a good answer. And you know how do you figure out which one's which, right? You say, sweet Caroline. See, those of you that like Neil Diamond know how to finish it out. There you go. As silly as that is, there are only believers and unbelievers. There's not a third category of people. So when a hurricane comes, there's one off the coast of Florida right now, earthquakes, tornadoes, you know, calamity, when all of that occurs, God is either sending or allowing that because some things are just part of what we call natural evil. The planet doesn't like us anymore because we're in sin, it's in sin, it's trying to kill you every chance it gets. That's how this world works. God is either restraining that, encouraging that, or just leaving it alone. And all of those are available options to him. And when he is doing that, he is working with both believers and unbelievers. If you are a believer, is God judging you? No! No, your judgment has been put where? On Christ. Now, is God disciplining you? Possibly. Is he warning you? Possibly. Is he pruning you? Possibly. Who needs to figure that out? You do. And I need to figure that out. So when the tornado hits my neighborhood, I need to figure out, is this because God is showing me an area of my life where I have been engaged in idolatry? Is this God just pruning me from the love of this world? See, I do that evaluation. At the same time, I may have my pagan neighbor across the street who's an unbeliever. Could God be judging him in this? Yes, he could. He could be giving him, hey, look, this is a taste of what you're getting if you don't change. If you do not repent and come to me in faith, this is what's coming. This is a small little picture of what it looks like. Could God be using that as a means to bring him to himself? Yes. How many people have gotten, how many people have believed in God because of disasters, illnesses, deaths, and things like that? This is why we preach the gospel at funerals. Everybody in the room at a funeral is thinking about what? Death. Why? Because there's a box with a person in it to remind you that they died. And if they died, I'm going to die. We spend a lot of time in this world not thinking about that. That's why God will send things to make us do what? It's like, snaking the, it's like taking the snow globe and doing what with it? Hey! Pay attention. God could be doing both. Now, who needs to figure that out? He does, and as his believing neighbor and person who knows him, who else needs to help figure that out? I do. This is why we have chaplains with disaster relief, and I know we have chaplains with, with disaster relief because I used to be one. This is why when we have tornadoes and earthquakes and hurricanes, we send disaster relief teams, and they cut down trees, and they fix yards, and they rebuild fences, and they dig out houses, and they make food, and they send chaplains in there to talk to people. Because these are the questions we ask. Like, what's going on in your world? What's going on in your life? Hey, where does this stuff come from? What's going on? All of these things lead us to figure out, hey, is God pushing you in the wrong direction, or is he pulling you in the right direction? Welcome to evaluating the world. This is why I forever get so aggravated when I watch television or I see it on the news and somebody goes, this storm, this disease, this whatever is the judgment of God. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. I'll never forget, as a seminary student, I was, my, uh, my first semester on campus was the fall of 2005. The weekend before I started classes, I was in Mississippi and Louisiana because Hurricane Katrina had come through. Then I got back so I could start classes on time. One of our chapel speakers later on in the year, might have been early spring, was a pastor from New Orleans. And that was one of his points. He's like, people keep telling me that this storm was a judgment on the sin of Louisiana and New Orleans. 
He goes, if this is such a good judgment, how come all the casinos, all the bars, and all of the places where you can go to sin on Bourbon Street are open and my church is still flooded and closed? That's not a judgment. That's a closing on the people of God. So what was his point? Who has to evaluate that? We do. Day in and day out. This is the reason for this sign, by the way. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Psalm 121. Mentioned this before. We'll mention again. I will lift my eyes to the mountains. From where shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. See, he is our creator and our determiner. So when Moses, verse 7, puts his hand in and pulls it out, verse 6, and it's covered in leprosy, and then he puts it back in and pulls it back out, it's clean. When he pulls it out and that skin is white as snow, what's the first thought of everybody around? That's judgment. That's what judgment looks like. The man who can turn that staff into a snake and back again, the one who creates everything, molds it, shapes it, is also the one who can heal. He's the one who can deliver from his wrath because he showed his judgment in that skin, and he also changed it back. This is a power being demonstrated by God that spans so many things. So, just in case, that was not enough. If they will not believe you or heed the witness of the first sign, they may believe the witness of the last sign. Now, what's the standard of the law? In, in God's law, before I can be convicted of a crime, what must you produce? How many? Two or, two or more. You know, the more the better. That doesn't mean necessarily a person. You've got to provide evidence that proves I did it, and you can't just be like, well, they said so. Well, what's a, what's a they? How many, how many is they? Well, it's a dude. Well, a dude isn't enough. You need more than a dude. You need a couple of dudes and, and some evidence. We need something. We used to keep this. Remember how many years ago? Remember everybody going, oh, that's circumstantial evidence. You ever watch Law and Order? And that's, all oh, we've got is circumstantial evidence. We can't build a case on that. What does that mean? They don't have anything that directly ties. And if you don't have anything that directly ties, what kind of case do you have? We used to say you had no case. Now it's like, well, you know, if we get the right jury, Oh, how far we have fallen. So, yeah, the standard is two or three witnesses. That's Deuteronomy 19. What has God given you? How many witnesses has he given you? Just in case, though, verse 9, if they do not believe even these two signs or heed what you say, you shall take some water from the Nile, pour it on the dry ground, and the water which you take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. Ugh. That's my first thought is, ugh. But the second thing is, that is, like, massively big. And the reason it's massively big is Egyptian mythology, their world, their culture. The Nile River is deity in motion. It is a god flowing through the desert. And the reason I say that, I had to go look this up because we, we talked about this last week in Sunday school and I didn't remember, but I double-checked and I was right. Mm-hmm. The, um, the Aswan High Dam was built in the 1960s, completed in 1969 and 1970. Until 1970, the Nile River in Egypt would randomly flood every year. See, it doesn't do it randomly. It still floods every year because it's a desert, people. There's nothing good in there. The Nile has sediment and fertilizers and things that the ground needs. So by flooding the ground, 
all that river sediment and that good rich topsoil gets put onto the ground. When the water recedes, the dirt stays, and then they can grow crops and live. Until 1970, now keep in mind, we're in like 1490 BC. <laughs> so for the better part of 3,500 years and going even back four or 5,000 years, the Nile didn't do it on a schedule and it didn't do it evenly. So some years it would flood a little. Some years it would flood perfectly. Some years it would flood everything. So some years we're going to starve to death, maybe, because we don't have enough good soil. Some years we're going to live, and some years, well, we can't plant anything because the crops are still underwater when it's time to plant, and the water hasn't receded enough. Who was responsible for that in Egypt's mind? Their gods were. And the Nile itself, because it was so unpredictable, it didn't do it at the same time every year, it didn't do it in the same way every year, it didn't have the same duration every year, the Nile was viewed by itself as a god. Well, what did God just say about that? No, it's not. Not only is it not in charge of anything, who is in charge of it? He is. I'll turn you into blood if I have to. Remember that one. We'll come back to it. God is demonstrating his dominion over everything. He is the creator. He is the sustainer. He is the healer. And he is the deliverer. Not Moses. God is. So why does God need to go out of his way to demonstrate that he has dominion over this? Because he has it. To not demonstrate it would be wrong on his part because this is something that he possesses. This is something that he can do. And to not show it would be to not give enough witnesses and it would be to hide who he is. And that is not how God rolls. Uh, Daniel chapter 4 reminds you of this. Nebuchadnezzar, I raised my eyes toward heaven and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forevermore. Why? His dominion, his rule, is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, but he does according to his will in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of earth, and no one can ward off his hand or say to him, What have you done? If you'd like the Reader's Digest version of that, it's Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Remember what the I am who is proved, as we mentioned last week. God is bigger. Don't make me sing it again. I will break out veggie tales on you. God is bigger than the boogeyman. He's bigger than Godzilla and the monsters on TV. And if you don't have any idea what I just sang, go to YouTube and look up the veggie tales. God is bigger song. Where is God when I'm scared? It's, it's, it's hysterical. You'll love it. It's a singing a child asparagus, I think, that does the song. See how weird this is already? You'll enjoy it. Is it it's Junior. Isn't he an asparagus? <laughs> yeah. And, and you notice, the people who grew up in church or have kids that grew up in church are the ones who know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, Cameron's back there going, I got this. I know this. Yeah. This is how warped I See, they, they taught me about Veggie Tales when I was in my 20s. So part of me was like, this is stupid. And then part of me was sitting there going, this is the most hysterical thing I have ever seen. And I still know way too many VeggieTales songs, but that's, that's another discussion for another day. God is bigger. Bigger than what? He's bigger than the creation. Why? Because he made it and he commands it. He's bigger than the power of what is and what will be. How do I know that? Because he can change the staff into a snake and back again. He's bigger than my diseases and my judgments and my dreaded illnesses. How? Because he can demonstrate it. He's bigger than the gods of Egypt themselves, and he's going to demonstrate that as he moves through. Now, why in 2020, with everything going on around us, is this important to know? 
because this is where we connect everything. Like we almost had a perfect design for a service today. Like we knew what we were doing. Shh, don't tell anybody. They'll expect it every week. Psalm 24, verses 3 through 6. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Who has clean hands and a pure heart? Who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood and has not sworn deceitfully? He shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, even Jacob. See, that sounds like it should be good news and encouragement, but it isn't. Why not? Because I'm not pure, and I'm not good, and I don't always seek his face, and I don't always do what I'm supposed to do, and I fall down quite a bit, and now I'm starting to worry. Remember our standard. When do you get clean? So that God will love you or because he has already loved you? Because he's already loved you. He's already set his love upon you. He's already removed the reproach of sin. He's already placed it upon Christ upon the cross. He has already done these things. Therefore, by the power of his spirit, by the walking in his word, you will be clean. This is good news for us, and it's good news for Moses in chapter 4, because Moses is nowhere near done shooting himself in the foot. Like, today was the good day for the next for the rest of this chapter. That should tell you something about how we're going to look at Moses. This is, again, the good news. Cha uh, Psalm 24 continues. Lift up your heads, O gates. Be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. See, there are none in the city who seek him. There are none who are clean. There are none who are pure. What will God do anyway? He will come in. Then they may be clean. Will some be judged? Yes. Will some be cleansed? Yes. Welcome to the world around you. Welcome to what you're seeing day by day. See, that creator, sustainer, deliverer, healer, all of those things, he is also our righteousness. He is our source of goodness and life. Not us, not this place, not our works, him. Here's a fun little list for you. When you're afraid, when you fear, he is your strength. When you fret and you worry, he's your solitude. Wherever you have fallen is where he has stood. Wherever you have failed, he has succeeded. And wherever you have fought and warred against God, he surrendered. You know how long it took me to come up with that alliteration? <laughs> Too long. He is all in all. Why? For the same reason he demonstrates his dominion. He is our all in all because he is all in all. There is no hope, no life, no peace, no justice, no security, nothing apart from God in this world. This is why Paul will tell you in Philippians 3, whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. And more than that, I count all things to be lost in the view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ, and I may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through Christ in, through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. 
This is why we evaluate when calamity comes. Because he's not judging his people. Our judgment has been sent away. It has been borne by Christ. As Colossians 2 would tell you, he has nailed it to the cross. That's why we sing, nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. I'm not under judgment. It is gone, done away with. So when this world hates me, when calamity strikes, when difficulty comes, I evaluate how do I walk in the kingdom? Because where am I still headed? The kingdom. I'm still there. I haven't been removed. I may have some life and things in my life that need to be pruned away. That's good for me. What in this world should I cling to? Nothing. But I cling to him. I walk in a manner worthy. And if I don't, by his grace and his mercy, the Holy Spirit will give me that kick in the rear end and say, hey, that right there, put that thing down. And that's good news. And how do I know that mercy and grace will continue? How many signs is he giving this people? Will they believe Moses? Yes, for about five minutes until life gets hard, and then they'll say what? Who do you think you are? This is your... And again, you want to reach in your Bible and start strangling people. Like, why is there not more smiting? There needs to be, like, people that say, God is just so mean and angry. No, I've read my Old Testament. He's not mean and angry enough. Like, if I had that, I'd be like, you're not getting away either. Got you. I mean, that's why I'm not God. Reason 8,942, why you should be thankful, right? We'll add that to the list every week. He loves us. He cares for us, he preserves us, and he is building a kingdom of righteousness because he is good. And he will persevere us to that because what has he persevered through already? What has he brought people through? Again, as Paul says, God saved me. If he can save me, he can save anybody. If he can deliver Nebuchadnezzar, if he can preserve Abraham, if he can preserve Isaac and Jacob, if he can keep Joseph, if he can work with Moses, if he can raise up David, if he can tolerate Solomon, if he can do all of these things, I'm starting to feel a lot better about myself. (laughs) Starting to feel like, you know, the stuff that he's working through in my life is not beyond his power. There it is. That's the point. So I'm secure and I'm grounded. And I'm, and I'm happy. I have joy because I have faith. And I can see the work. And I can see the work that he's doing. And I can see the work that he is doing. And I can rejoice that he is still at work. And that means he still has me. And that means that my end will be good. Because that's where my trust is. In what God has promised. Because I know that he'll deliver it. That's why we still read this stuff. That's why we still study this stuff. Because the examples are just too good. I mean, we can't do this in real time out in the world. We're not so good at evaluating because we don't have the whole story. In our Old Testament, we have the whole story. So we can rejoice because this God who is building a righteous kingdom for reasons known only to him has me in it. And he has you in it. So we live joyfully, trusting, faithfully, because this world can't change that. And that's why this is such good news. Let's pray. Again, Lord, we thank you. We thank you that we can gather as your people, that as your people, there are groups of us gathering all across this world, today, tomorrow, and every single day. We pray, Lord, that as you strengthen us, that you will strengthen them, that your spirit that works in us is the same spirit that works in them, that our world and our kingdom is so much bigger than we can imagine, and you have included us in it, And for that, we are thankful. 
And your kingdom is righteous, and for that we are joyful, that we may walk in this world triumphantly, not in fear, not in worry, but in security, that your goodness will reign, that your mercy will triumph, and that we will persevere. Lord, thank you for all of that. Thank you for the work that you are continuing to do in us each and every day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. Came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to my death to be from the cross to the grave from the grave to the sky Lord I lift your name on high Lord I lift your name on high Lord I love to sing your praises I'm so glad you in my life I'm glad you came to save us came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross by death to be from the cross to the grave from the grave to the sky Lord I lift your name Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I lift your name on There was one thing I forgot to make mention of earlier. Um, James and Carrie aren't here because they went to go visit family, but Carrie fell last week and spent an afternoon in the hospital. She cut on her head. They put a couple staples in. I knew I was going to forget something because I didn't have it written down. So I had not heard anything since Saturday, So, which was yesterday, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> Sometimes I have to wonder. So the fact that they're not here and I haven't heard anything else, I'm assuming they still travel, so she's feeling better. So yeah, she just caught something wrong and fell in the house, and I think it was in the kitchen where there's a hard floor. And so, yeah. So bad combination. So just remember her this week as with all the other stuff going on. Mike, Vi, Judith, whole family. Clark still, is the leg getting better still? Little, like I'm closing up about yay much a week. <laughs> I'm sorry? Jeff, yeah, well, 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 Jeff, he's got that, you know, all bionic back there now. So have you started therapy yet? Start, okay, too, I knew it was coming soon. They weren't going to leave it for very long, so. All right, I got a filibuster for 20 more minutes because Becca's got an appointment at Magic Waters. I got to make her late for it. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So let's pray. Lord, as we leave this place, all of those that are concerns for us, all of our, our cares, we know you carry them and we know, that you, we know that you bear them and know them. We ask that all these that we remember that you would care for this week, that you would strengthen. And Lord, as we go about, may we remember you and live our lives in the fear of you and not this place. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.